Hello, and welcome to the Earthside Echo, your source for all the latest dispatches from Earthside. In times of war, leaders often have to make decisions that result in the deaths of the men and women under their command. Captain Samantha Thrace is one of the most celebrated and controversial of the Guild's officers. Her much-publicized trial speaks to the difficulties of command and the sacrifices that must sometimes be made to ensure victory. Whether Captain Thrace is a hero or a traitor is the subject of much dispute. I leave it up to you to decide. I hope you enjoy part one of Trial by Fire. The courtroom was practically empty. The old magistrate perched behind his makeshift bench, his sharp features reminding Thrace of a carrion bird, an old vulture picking at the scraps of the empire. Thrace snorted and turned her attention to her own court-appointed counsel, the reedy imp of a man seated beside her. He was desperately scrawling notes and wiping sweat from his brow. The prosecutor paced in front of the witness. Though his face revealed a true disgust for Thrace, she was secretly glad that she could see it. She had faced enough of those damned mass guild lawyers to appreciate the transparency. What were your first impressions of Captain Thrace? Casa Okoyi, first witness for the defence, glared down at the prosecutor from the stand. I wanted to have her killed, but, she sighed, I was overruled. The stenographer stopped the steady stream of clicking long enough to give Casa a confused glance before continuing her work. Others might have mirrored her surprise, but the viewing seats of the courtroom were empty. Despite the magnitude of Thrace's supposed crimes, the press and other onlookers had been banned, citing the safety of Captain Thrace. Of course, Thrace knew this was an absurd claim, but the Empire couldn't risk some vigilante with a hidden weapon depriving them of their kangaroo court. The magistrate leaned over and peered down at Kassa from the bench. Miss Okoy, you do remember that you were called here as a character witness by the defence, correct? Kassa shrugged. Thrace is on trial for cowardice, which led to the deaths of some soldiers, yes? Whether or not I wanted to kill her has no bearing on this. The magistrate turned his reproachful gaze to the prosecutor. Miss Okoy's time in England is brief. She is an esteemed emissary of Absinia and her time is better spent inspecting and advising our Titan projects. Please be sure your questions are pertinent to the case at hand. Yes, my lord, the prosecutor replied. Miss Okoye, could you please be so kind as to describe to the court the events that took place when Captain Thrace visited your homeland in the year 1905? Cassa smiled, grimly reminiscing. Well, in the beginning, I wanted to have her killed. Based on the testimony of Casa Okoyi. Boiled in oil? Casa suggested. Gasa. The Dejasmak let out a sigh. A humming pneumatic fan kept his office cool, despite the heat of the afternoon. I have no more love for the guild than you or any of our people. But can you please come up with some practical suggestions? Fair point. Varing squads are practical. Gasa. Guillotine? Colonel Okoye, 
The sound of the Dejazmak's fist slamming onto his desk echoed through his office. Kassa stood at attention. My apologies, Dejazmak Akachi. The Emperor, blessed be his house, has guaranteed the safety of the guild specialists while they remain within our borders. He wants them to be treated politely. See what a bright and vibrant country we have, and then live in one piece. Like it or not, Captain Thrace has been assigned to you. The Dejazmak drew in a deep breath and slowly released it. That being said, the technology behind our dreadnought legions is too sensitive for foreign eyes. If you cannot find a way to distract her with pleasant conversation and the various entertainments of the city, then something more professional will suffice. You will take Captain Thrace to your old unit on the coast, show her one of your old ships, and let her chase around a few of her own guild privateers. Maybe even put on a little show, let her see some of your simpler tricks, and send her back to her superiors, shaking in her boots about the strength of the Abyssinian navy. None of this will involve firing squads, guillotines, or... Boiling oil. Kassa finished his sentence. Ah, yes, boiling oil. None of that. Show the captain your talents on the water. Give her a tour of an old destroyer the guild already knows about, and then send her on her way. Alive. Kassa bowed her head and left her superior's office. A week later, Kassa was in the coastal city of Djibouti. The smells and sounds of the sea drifted to her on a gentle wind, and she took a deep breath. She stood at the end of a dock, waiting as a guild ship unloaded its cargo and its passengers. Kassa glanced down at her guest's photograph and tried to ignore the guild sailors as they passed. As it turned out, she didn't need the picture. The woman was hard to miss. Thrace wore a dark red cloak and carried a strange oversized axe in a sheath on her back. People parted for her on the narrow dock, allowing her to approach Kassa unmolested. You're my liaison, I take it? She held out a hand, a smile creeping onto her face. Captain Samantha Thrace, at your service. Kassa ignored the other woman's outstretched hand. Kassa Okoyi, Colonel of the 110th Battalion, Dreadnought Division. Her voice was flat and disinterested. An honour to meet you. We will be spending the next few days at sea. If you follow me, I'll show you to your quarters. We set sail in the morning. Thrace awkwardly returned her hand to her pocket. I was excited when I heard that you were assigned to be my contact in Abyssinia. I think our people have a great deal to offer each other. Her gaze wandered past the dock as if searching for something. I had thought that I would see one of your dreadnoughts in person, since the whole idea of this meeting is to exchange information. Cassa sighed. Captain, can we please not play these children's games? Thrace raised an eyebrow. I have heard your reputation. We are both soldiers. That means we are both pawns in a game far bigger than either of us. Diplomats, liaisons, spies. It's all just so much posturing 
between powers. Abyssinia and the Guild are circling each other like lions and hyenas, sizing each other up before striking the first blow. She shook her head. You will see nothing of consequence here. Nothing to compromise our position. I'm sure your Abyssinian counterparts in Vienna will learn nothing of true interest from the Guild. We will circle. We will boast. Eventually, one of us will strike. Everything leading up to the strike is a waste of our time. Thrace rocked on her heels, her half-smile breaking into a full grin. Well, you're a direct one, aren't you? I can appreciate that. Let me be equally direct. You consider war an inevitability, but that is not so. You were too young to have earned your cynicism, honestly. Look around you. She gestured to the port around them with a sweep of her hand. Djibouti is the only Abyssinian port in which guild ships can make legal harbour and the only Abyssinian town which will accept guild trade. At first glance, that might make it seem as if relations between our people are strained, and indeed they are. But when the guild first began to trade with Djibouti 15 years ago, their ships weren't allowed to dock at port. They had to load their trade goods into rowboats, ferry them to shore, and then undergo rigorous searches and inspections before they could even step foot in a market. Thrace shrugged. Now, you can find our goods all throughout the city, and we're treated much like any other trading partner. Live long enough, and you'll watch the world change. Never accept inevitability. Casa shook her head, but didn't bother to argue. We shall see. Follow me. She turned down the dock, Thrace following her lead. They passed through throngs of merchants, travellers and mercenaries. Kassa overheard people shouting at each other in at least three different languages. The vibrant robes of the wealthy brushed against the rags of the poor and the battle-worn leathers of mercenaries, but all parted before her passing. A few recognised Kassa personally and knew her reputation, but all recognised her uniform and the colours of a colonel of the Imperial Army. Eventually, the two women arrived at a wide, two-storey building situated alongside a busy plaza. Rounded, onion-domed windows peered out from the white walls, each one bearing the flag of one foreign nation or another. The ram's head of the guild was conspicuously absent. Casa stopped in front of the building and turned to Thrace. You have been given a room in our ambassadorial suites. An escort will arrive at eight o'clock tomorrow morning to escort you to the ship. Thrace appraised the building. Can you recommend a good place to get dinner? No. Casa checked her pocket watch. I have an appointment. Remember, eight o'clock. Without another word, she turned and marched away, leaving Thrace standing alone in front of the hotel. Casa was going through the last of the ship's preparations when Thrace arrived. She marched down the gangway plank to meet the guild woman halfway and escort her the rest of the way to the deck. It was an old Abyssinian destroyer-class ship, its armour scratched and worn by years at sea. Despite its age, however, the guns which bristled proudly above the deck were well maintained and ready for combat. Thrace turned to Cassa as they made their way up to the deck. Is that really a wise thing to wear out to sea? She gestured at the Abyssinian colonel's steel battle armour. Cassa grinned. I was the youngest captain in the Abyssinian fleet 
before I was transferred to oversee our dreadnoughts. On the day I got my first command, I wore my full battle armor. I was not yet used to it and thought it restricted my movement, hampered my abilities. Not to mention it would drag me down to the bottom of the ocean should I end up in the water. So I complained to the Admiral. Do you know his reply? Thrace shook her head. Captains who cannot swim keep their ships afloat. Thrace arched an eyebrow. Interesting way of looking at it. Cassa nodded. Sometimes armour is for protection. Other times it is for the spirit. I am a colonel in the Imperial Army and I am escorting an honoured guest. This time the armour is ceremonial. With that, Cassa turned and shouted orders to her crew in her native tongue. The thrum of engines sent reverberations through the deck and churned the water in the ship's wake. The sailors handled their stations with the precision of a carefully maintained clock as the aging destroyer crept out of the port and cut its way through the still water toward the open sea. We've been having some problems with piracy lately, so that is the target of this mission. The raiders have been hitting merchant ships all along our eastern coast, Castor explained as the land slowly shrank into the horizon behind them. We'll stay on the merchant routes and keep an ear to the radio. The easiest way to predict their movements is to catch them on the attack. Thrace nodded. To find the wolves, follow the deer. Exactly. Cassa smiled. Cassa fell quickly into her old routines. There was comfort in familiarity, and nothing was more familiar to her than a destroyer-class ship. She took a deep breath of the fresh ocean air and gazed out to the horizon. In this moment, she was one with the beauty of the world, the familiar ship beneath her feet, the wind in her face, the sun on her head. The source of this beauty being an instrument of war did not escape her understanding. For the smallest moment, she mulled over Thrace's words about inevitability and attempted to imagine what sort of life she would have had in a more peaceful world. The desperate call for help came over the radio close to dawn the next day. Cassa rushed above deck to find Thrace already there, peering out at an orange glow on the horizon. They're burning the merchant ships, Cassa whispered. Thrace simply nodded. Cassa frowned as she gripped the ship's railing, staring at the distant flames. Pirates, who are simply out for profit, don't burn ships or kill prisoners. It makes their lives more difficult. The next ship they attack has no reason to surrender, and it draws the attention of the Imperial Navy. It's possible they are a violent new group trying to make a name for themselves, but the more likely conclusion is that they're privateers with an interest in disrupting Abyssinian commerce. Thrace finished for her. I know. There was a forlorn quality to her voice, and her eyes never left the glow on the horizon. As they drew closer, they could make out the scene with the aid of binoculars. The floating, burning wreckage of one merchant ship drifted aimlessly, the scent of smoke and blood mixing with the salt on the wind. The other merchant ship was tied to a raider whose crew was scrambling like ants to loot its cargo. Two other raiders waited close at hand. Cassa stood on the prow next to Thrace, peering through the binoculars. Looks like their ships are converted merchant raiders, 
all steamers. The merchant crews have already been slaughtered. Why don't they run? Thrace asked. We are in a battle-ready destroyer. It's a formidable ship, but the armor slows it down. They think they have time to finish their looting and outrun us. Cassa smirked and handed the binoculars to the other woman. See? They're scrambling over their decks like frightened insects. No discipline. Thrace peered through the binoculars. If we can't catch them in this ship, then what's the point of chasing them? They never said we couldn't catch them. Cassa smirked in anticipation. Their ships are old, scavenged merchant ships. It's possible. Their engines are still in top shape. But pirates usually don't pay attention to trivial things like regular maintenance. And if we can't catch them, well, did you catch the name on the side of this ship? I couldn't understand it. Thrace lowered the binoculars and handed them back to Cassa. Sherarit. It means spider. This was my first ship. She affectionately patted the ship's railing. Never could stop tinkering with her. She has a few tricks in her yet. Within the hour, the three raider vessels had turned to make their escape. Mark their speed, Casa shouted in Amharic. Twenty-seven knots! called the soldier in one of the nests above. Just above our top speed, Captain, and they're out of gun range. Cassa switched back to English for Thrace's benefit. We won't catch them at this rate, but no matter. She switched back to Amaric. Blow the armor! The order echoed around the deck, and sailors rushed to the sides of the ship. A series of sharp cracks split the air as charges blew. Thrace leaned over the rail to watch, as an entire sheet of the ship's armour slowly slid into the ocean. What the hell was that? The official stance of the Imperial Navy is that all Abyssinian ships are to have at least half an inch of armour. Technically, two-quarter-inch sheets meet this requirement, and if the fastening joints are rigged with inert charges, the extra armour can be easily blown off. Thrace gaped. How many tons of steel did you just send to the bottom of the ocean? Cassa nonchalantly replied, In Abyssinia, steel isn't a rare commodity. Same with manpower. Tell your superiors we have plenty to spare. She switched back to Amaric to order. Engines full throttle. Her sailors responded as efficiently as ever. We're up to 32 knots, Captain, cried a man from the bridge. What did he say? Thrace asked. Cassa grinned. Before removing our armour, we were too slow to catch up. Now we've surpassed their speed. We know they're heading, so catching them is just a matter of waiting until the guns are in range. This portion of the chase always reminds me of Sarawit. Have you ever played it? Thrace shook her head. It is an old Abyssinian game of planning and waiting. Often when I play it, I gain a small advantage early. Then it is just a matter of waiting until my opponent realises he has lost and concedes. Cassa looked out over the ocean. But there is no concession here. We are a bullet headed for their future. 
We have them outgunned and outranged. All they can do is run, and they can only do that for so long. She glanced at Thrace. Combat with dreadnoughts on land is no different. That's why I transitioned into that position so easily, and why all dreadnought commanders are now required to do a tour at sea. I see, Thrace mused. Cassa reigned in her excitement as she remembered who Thrace was, a guild lackey. Remember this, Captain. To march against Abyssinia is to begin marking time until your extinction. I told you, Thrace sighed. My role here is diplomatic. Cassa snorted. Of course it is. The Guild is a large organisation, with many varied parties and interests. We are not a united army, which comes together like a closed fist against anyone who oppose it. Every branch does not agree with every... Her voice trailed off. It's not as simple as you would think. The people of Malifaux would disagree, Cassa pointed out. Well, Thrace looked uncomfortable. Malifaux is a special situation. Colonel Okai, a crewman shouted down at her in Amaric. They are running into the belt of the forgotten. There were a few hushed whispers and stares from the other crew members. Thrace noticed the subtle changes in the crew. What's happening? He says we're approaching the belt of the forgotten, a small stretch of open water where we have recently lost a number of sheeps. Cassa turned to the bridge and shouted back at the crew in Amaric. These raiders are the ones making our ships disappear. We'll put a quick end to them and dispel this lunacy. Thrace furrowed her brow and turned back toward the burning ships. A few hours later, the three merchant raider ships were distinctly outlined against the bloody red of the setting sun. There was a sting to the wind, a tension that Cassa recognised as a brewing storm, even from the safety of the armoured bridge. They're in range of the long guns, a crewman shouted from an upper deck. Cassa picked up the speaking tube from its place on the bridge. Set your sights. Fire on the lead vessel at your leisure. The ship shook as the big guns roared to life, billowing flame and smoke into the sky. Cassa watched as one shell landed, rending a gaping wound in the stern of the leading ship. Black smoke bled out from the hull. Cassa picked up her binoculars to watch the raider's crew run desperately around the deck. One man, consumed with flame, jumped into the rising waves. Cassa did some quick math in her head. Adjust by two degrees starboard and fire again. The Sherarit shook again as her guns roared. The first raider ship was ripped in half, flames and smoke pierced the heavens, and men jumped into the uncaring ocean from the ship's sinking carcass. Its two sister ships had used their time wisely. They were already charging toward Cassa's destroyer and its crew. Bold move there, Thrace commented. Cassa lowered her binoculars and nodded. It makes sense. They discovered that they can't outrun us, so fighting is the only option left to them. She shrugged her shoulders. Of course, it makes no real difference. A few hodgepodge merchant raiders 
are no match for an Abyssinian destroyer, though I do admire their fighting spirit. The two merchant raider vessels sliced through the waves like daggers as they barreled down on the destroyer. Cassa relayed orders into her speaking tube, directing her crew. The auxiliary guns barked round after round into the approaching ships, and the water splashed up in great white gushes around them with every near miss. Finally, a hit was scored on the radar off the port side. Its bridge was incinerated in a great orange gush of flame as a shriek of rending metal filled the air. It was followed by the wailing of injured men. They were finally close enough to hear the screams of the dying. The raiders opened fire in unison as soon as they came within range. Cassa estimated their guns at about five centimetres, enough to pierce their reduced armour, but only at extremely close range. Hard to starboard, she commanded. Focus fire on the damaged ship. The damaged raider barreled towards them in a straight line, with smoke and flames billowing from the bridge. They're on a direct path with us, Thrace noted. Cassa ignored her. Machine guns at the ready. Be prepared for hand-to-hand combat. They'll board if they can. A portion of the deck exploded into splinters, tossing crew members aside like ragdolls. One man was on his back, holding a bloody stump where his leg had once been. Another pulled a woman with a bloodied head up to safety. The rest of the crew responded with precision and calm, ignoring the violence around them as they continued to do their jobs. Cassa's voice changed, a bolstering tone filling her words. In battle, do not mistake yourself for a man. You are not a man. You are a cog in the machine of the Empire. You are the guns who speak only death. You are the armour shielding its citizens. This is the creed of the dreadnought legions, but it serves us just as well at sea. For Abyssinia, Abyssinia! The cry rose from every section of the ship, as if howled from a single throat. Brace for impact! Cassa shouted. The pained screech of metal tore through the air as the raider collided with the destroyer's port side. The hulls of the two ships ground together as they continued forward, slowly passing each other as sparks flew into the air. The machine guns mounted on both decks were in full fire. Bullets ricocheted off the Sherarit's armoured bridge. Cassa watched as a man just outside the reinforced window was vaporised into a fine red mist by the white-hot tracer rounds that tore through his body. The second raider kept its distance off their starboard side, its guns hammering the steel of the destroyer's armour. Each hit rocked the ship violently, and each miss sent gouts of white sea foam up crashing onto the deck. The men on deck were pelted with a storm of seawater and sparks as they struggled to fight back against the pirates. War cries filled the air as the crew of the damaged raider leapt onto the deck of the destroyer. Before Cassa realised it, Thrace had joined the melee. Her axe flashed red as she brought it down on any privateer unlucky enough to cross her path. No movement was wasted. She fainted left as a man came at her with a hammer and brought her blade down on his leg, severing it completely. Without breaking her pace, she stepped over him, leaving him to bleed out and thrash on the ground. The next pirate ran at her, firing his shotgun as he screamed obscenities. She ducked to the side to avoid the incoming fire and kicked him in the chest, sending him tumbling over the rail to be crushed between the two warships. His cries were cut short by the cracking of bone. All the while, 
the destroyer's auxiliary guns hammered the raider at point-blank range. As the ships finally began to break free of each other, a final hit splintered the raider's hull. Behind them, Kassa could see the ship slipping beneath the waves as the few remaining pirates leapt into the water. A few desperately tried to put out the flames, seemingly unaware that the depths of the ocean would soon do the work for them. Many of the raiders' crew were still on the Sheraritz deck, although the raiders were clearly losing. The Abyssinian crew fought as a single force, forming a wedge and forcing the raiders back and over the rail. The pirates either fell over the side into the churning waves or died on Abyssinian steel. Thrace stalked among them, severing limbs and sending men overboard wherever she walked. Cassa watched with interest from the bridge. The stories of Captain Thrace's prowess in battle had not been exaggerated. Even so, it did not quell the suspicion she had about the raiders being hired by the guild. She wouldn't put it past the guild to murder a few of their own hired guns. The ship rocked again, and Cassa's attention was ripped away from the battle on deck. The last raider was circling around their stern and hammering them with gunfire. Casualty report! She shouted into her speaking tube. Are all guns operational? Negative. Guns three and four are inactive. Equipment intact. Crew dead. Bring men up from below deck. I want full firepower. That last raider will present itself on our port side soon. They're going to try to come in close to hit our weakened side. Probably try to board us. They're no match for our big guns, so they're trying to stay close enough that we can't bring them to bear. She paused to consider the situation. Have auxiliary weapons and machine guns ready. We'll hit them with everything we have when they come around. By the time the raider ship had circled around the rear of the destroyer, the fight on deck was over. The wooden deck was slick with blood, which made traversing it hazardous. The second raider kept inside the range of their main guns, but the Sheraritz auxiliary rounds and mounted machine guns pelted it with bullets as it closed distance. Her ship rocked with another direct hit, and more rounds ricocheted from the deck. The crew had taken cover and were hunched down beneath the deck's iron-plated sides. Fifty meters! Cassa yelled into her speaking tube. Prepared to be boarded! Forty meters! Thrace barged into the bridge. Cassa, she called. Not now. Twenty meters. Weapons at the ready. The destroyer lurched, throwing them forward. The whining engines audibly strained through the whole ship, but the Sheraritz simply rocked gently back and forth on the waves. Report! Cassa's knuckles were white as she clenched the speaking tube in her fist. Engine room, why aren't we moving? Engines still operating at full capacity. Don't know what's going on. The reply was almost drowned out over the scream of the engines. Colonel Okoye, Thrace shouted as she grabbed the woman by the arm. Starboard side! Some sort of monster's coming up the side! Cassa and Thrace rushed out of the bridge to peer over the side of the ship. There were lizard-like creatures crawling up the pockmarked iron plates, their features a distorted mix of reptile and fish that blended together into a singular obscene nightmare. Dark carapaces sheltered slithering bodies, and their pincers and claws sank into the steel of the hull as if it was nothing. What are those? Cassa demanded, panic in her voice for the first time. Thrace shook her head. No idea. Do what you can. Cassa darted back to the bridge and snatched up her speaking tube. 
All hands, all hands on deck. Prepare to be boarded from starboard. There are unknown creatures climbing the sides of the ship. Hold steady and arm yourselves. By the time she finished her announcement, the first of the creatures had already scuttled its way onto the deck. It was soon joined by a flood of its brethren. A swarm of gibbering nightmares clawed and pulled its way onto deck, first from starboard, then from the port side. The highly trained Abyssinian crew balked at the sight of the twisted monsters, but there was nowhere to run, and they already had their bloodied weapons ready. Machine gun fire from the remaining raider strafed the deck, accidentally cutting down a swathe of the oncoming creatures as their leathery bodies exploded into fountains of thick, bloody gore. The crew rallied and threw themselves into the oncoming invaders. Men screamed and creatures shrieked as Abyssinian blades and bullets met razor-sharp claws. The raider ship stopped firing, apparently having spotted the scene on deck. They were close enough to board, but instead their crew stood at the edge of the deck and stared wide-eyed at the scene before them. They were already starting to reverse course. Cassa swore as she glanced out a window. Her crew was overwhelmed, and more creatures kept pouring over the starboard side. She could see Thrace running across the deck, and at first, Cassa thought she was leading a charge. Instead, the woman took a running leap and landed on the deck of the raider ship, scattering the pirates. Coward! Cassa shouted after her. She turned back to the ship's gauges, desperately trying to think of a plan. Her cunning and her ingenuity with machines had always gotten her out of tight situations, but this was an enemy she had never faced before. The ship was her only weapon, and it was already overrun. The machine guns were useless, their mounts prevented them from firing down onto the ship's own deck. Cassa was out the door of the bridge the moment the thought formed in her mind. Hold them off! She shouted as she darted down the steps into the ship's interior. Protect the lifeboats on the port side! The passageway was cramped and narrow, and some of the sealed oil lamps had fallen from their hooks to roll across the steel floor, nothing more than extinguished clutter. Cassa darted around a corner toward the second stairwell, only to have an amphibious monstrosity grab at her through a rend in the ship's side. Its watery eyes bulged in its head as it strained to grab her with its webbed claws, and a lizard-like tongue flicked between the rows of needles that lined its mouth. It let out a hiss, and Cassa backhanded it with the metal-plated fist of her battle armour, sending it toppling from the ship's side and into the churning water below. Making a mental note of the rend in the hull, she made her way to engineering and grabbed a welding torch, along with its tank and a visor. She ignored the screams of dying men and dodged the clawed hands of the creatures tearing the hull open as she climbed up back above deck and into the first machine-gun nest. It was splattered with blood, and one of her crewmen lay slain next to a hideous winged creature that was still twitching on his knife. Cassa knelt down, flipped the visor over her face, and began the tedious work of cutting the heavy gun away from its fastening. She kept her breath even and tried to tune out the sounds of death and agony that surrounded her. She imagined a gibbering monster perched on the railings above her, needle fangs ready to sink into the exposed flesh on the back of her neck at any moment, but she still laboured on in darkness, never looking up. Either this would work, or she was dead anyway. The gun fell to the deck with a heavy clang as she made her final cut and ripped the visor from her face, glad to find no terrors behind her. She grabbed the heavy gun from where it fell and strained to lift it, and the soul stone embedded in the core of her battle armour flared to life, 
imbuing her with increased strength and endurance. Even with the borrowed strength, her muscles screamed in agony as she lifted a weapon that was never meant to be carried by a single human. Her brow creased and sweat glistened on her dark skin. She staggered down from the machine gun nest and braced herself against a bulkhead, the gun shoved against her breastplate as she did her best to aim its bulk. Cassa was relieved to see a small pocket of her crew still fighting against the beasts. They had formed a protective bubble around a few of the lifeboats on the port side. Hit the deck! she screamed. Her crew threw themselves to the blood-slick deck as Cassa engaged the trigger and unleashed death. The recoil hammered Cassa back into the bulkhead, but she gritted her teeth and fought to keep the heavy gun level. It was impossible to aim such an unwieldy weapon, but Cassa wasn't concerned about aim. She only had to avoid hitting her own people. The massive writhing, dripping bodies exploded into gore as she pumped round after round across the deck. Tentacles and claws separated from their bodies, leaving a mass of twitching, dismembered limbs. Cassa let out a feral scream as the gun thundered, tearing everything in her path to pieces. Her muscles felt like they were on fire, and she was rattled so hard against the bulkhead that she thought she felt her teeth crack. But still, she fired. Finally, the thundering report of the gun was replaced with a piercing whine as she ran out of ammunition. She took a moment to survey the damage she had wrought. Gore coated the deck, and the few creatures that survived the assault were unable to retain their footing, either due to the gore or their own missing limbs. What had been a horde with a singular purpose now looked more like a writhing mass of flesh and limbs carpeting the deck. The ship itself had seen better days. Large holes were torn in the deck, and with the way they were pitching, it seemed likely they were taking on water. Cassa was glad to see that at least one lifeboat had launched, and as the survivors struggled to their feet, they began lowering the other. A sudden screech pierced the air, and a winged creature barreled into Cassa, knocking her on her back. The heavy machine gun clattered out of her hands, and she jammed an elbow in the thing's throat, just as its snapping jaws closed an inch from her face with a loud crack. With her soulstone-enhanced strength, she flipped the creature over, pinning it down as she got both hands around its neck. She squeezed, there was an audible snap, and then the thing twitched violently before going still. Cassa stood up with a tired sigh. Just as she started to make her way down to the lifeboats, the ship lurched heavily to the starboard side, knocking Cassa off her feet. She looked up to see a giant, webbed hand clutching the railing of the ship. The hand itself was at least as big as she was, if not twice her size, and it preceded a scaled, bulbous head with bulging, fish-like eyes. The thing let out a bellowing roar as it pulled the ship down further, and Cassa's nostrils filled with the stench of decay. Cassa cursed and scampered after the heavy gun as it slid across the deck. She poured at the ammunition release as she kicked her feet against the slick, tilted deck, desperately trying to keep herself from sliding any closer toward the monster. Her shaking hands threaded the next belt of ammunition into the machine gun. As the tremendous beast reached for her, Cassa slammed the ammunition hopper closed and engaged the firing mechanism, loosing a withering volley of fire. The storm of bullets tore chunks of flesh from the massive creature before her, and it lurched, retracting its outstretched arm in a failed attempt to shield its face. The smell of scorched flesh filled the air, and Cassa screamed her defiance into the uncaring night and kept firing. The thing lunged for Cassa, its great hand hurtling toward her. Before it could reach her, 
the last raider ship slammed into the beast with a sickening squelch of flesh and metal. The Sherarit shuddered violently as a merchant ship sideswiped it, crushing the titan between the unyielding steel of the two ships. Impossibly, Thrace leaned over the deck of the ship. You'll have to jump, she called. Cassa tried to pull her battered body to its feet, but every muscle, every bone, every joint burned its agony into her. The destroyer was tilting further into the water, sinking instead of righting itself, and she could feel herself start to slide toward the crushing press of the two ships. Then Thrace was at her side, putting an arm underneath her and dragging Cassa towards the raider. Quickly now, Thrace panted. The ship's got momentum. Hitting that thing slowed it down, but if we don't hurry, we'll both go down with your ship. They hobbled their way over the slick deck, sliding downward along the tilting deck almost as much as they walked. Cassa almost slipped in a pool of blood, but Thrace was there for her, holding her up and keeping her moving. The destroyer pitched as it took on more water, but together they got to the rope ladder hanging from the side of the raider ship. While you were distracting, whatever that was, we were able to pick up your crew. Thrace groaned as they collapsed onto the splintered deck. I guess I should thank you, Cassa panted. Her eyes were on the remains of the Sherarit, which was quickly sinking into the dark waters. I guess you should, Thrace replied. Cassa glanced over at Thrace, snorted, and then weakly punched the other woman's arm. That's it for another episode of the Earthside Echo. Join us next time for part two of Trial by Fire.